Safe and effective long-duration therapy in wet AMD treatment could be the solution to increasing patient adherence. Are we on the brink of a major breakthrough? I'm Greg Notstein, that's Scott Chriswanis, and this is New Retina Radio from Retina Today and Bryn Mawr Communications. Dr. Carl Danzig reviews the Phase II stairway study, which evaluated the safety and efficacy of fericimab for the treatment of wet AMD. Dr. Danzig outlines what the Phase three trials will look like, explains the mechanisms for ensuring optimal therapy is applied even in the longest duration arms, and offers a reason why the drug in the control arms will change from the therapy used in Phase II's control arm. Stick with us to hear more. This podcast is brought to you by Genentech Ophthalmology. At Genentech, science is just the beginning of innovation. Together with the ophthalmology community, Genentech is transforming the treatment of retinal disease to give people the vision to live. To learn more, visit gene.com slash ophthalmology. That's G-E-N-E dot com forward slash ophthalmology. Blocking VEGF in patients with wet AMD is a known strategy. Indeed, a vast majority of medical retina relies on anti-VEGF agents to treat patients. Blocking angiopoietin-2, however, is relatively novel. To understand the safety and efficacy of fericimab, which blocks both VEGF and ANG2, we turn to the stairway trial, a phase 2 study with data that was shared at Arvo by Dr. Carl Danzig. Dr. Danzig joins us from the Rand Eye Institute in Deerfield Beach, Florida. Dr. Danzig, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Before we dive into the phase two data from Stairway, let's make sure that our listeners know what they're dealing with with Farisimab. I understand that it's the first bispecific antibody designed for intraocular use, right? That's absolutely correct, Scott. And one thing we need to go into before we even go into the specifics of the molecule is to understand just a little bit about the ANG-type pathway, because that pathway plays a crucial role in maintaining vascular stability. So under physiological conditions in healthy vasculature, ANG1 is an agonist that binds to TIE2 on endothelial cells. And this activates TIE2 and leads down to downstream signaling and vascular stability. You know, however, in retinal diseases such as AMD, both ANG2 and VEGF-A are upregulated. ANG2 competes with ANG1 for binding the TIE2, and when bound, it deactivates the TIE2 receptor. So this deactivation sensitizes blood vessels to VEGF-A, and that causes neovascularization, vascular leakage, and increases inflammation around the uh, surrounding tissue. So synergistically, ANG2 and VEGF-A drive vascular instability. So fericimab was created by Roche using the CrossMab technology and is the first bispecific antibody designed for intraocular use. It has two FAB arms and a specifically engineered FC region. The anti-ANG2 FAB arm binds to ANG2 and stabilizes blood vessels. The anti-VEGF-A FAB arm binds to VEGF and inhibits the vascular leakage and neovascularization. The FC region is specifically engineered for fast systemic clearance and therefore to reduce systemic exposure. 
Okay, got it. So, but now let's turn to the stairway study. What measure of efficacy was used and which patients were included? Great question. So we used best corrected visual acuity as our measurement for efficacy and evaluated patients who received the drug in 16 or 12-week intervals. The control arm was ranibizumab every four weeks. The inclusion criteria in the study were treatment naive, wet AMD, subfovial coronavascular membrane, patients had to be at least 50 years old, and the BCVA had to be between 2040 and 2320. And I would assume there were some loading doses before the longer interval started, correct? Absolutely. There were three monthly loading doses. Patients in the 16-week arm could drop into, tw- in, into the 12-week arm if disease activity was detected. And this was performed at week 24. Patients were evaluated every four weeks and received treatment based on the treatment regimen, which was randomly assigned at baseline. The readout we're discussing is from week 52. Can you tell me what the research team found at year one? Yes, at year one, there were great results. During the loading phase, patients got off to the spared starts. The ranibizumab group performed well. After the first three loading doses, differences in BCVA began to disappear. And we even saw this at week 24. At week 24, we found that 65% of patients at their disease activity assessment were eligible for acute 16-week interval dosing. By week 52, we observed 9.6 letters in the ranibizumab group, 10 letters in the furosemab Q12 interval group, and 11.4 letters in the furosemab Q16 week interval group. That visual acuity data is encouraging. Anatomic data can be useful in a study like this. What did the research team find there? So in regards to intraretinal cysts, we found that all three arms had improvement. In terms of review of the mean lesion, the mean change in lesion area, the furosemab arm did slightly better than the ranibizumab arm, but all three arms performed well. And what is next for furosemab? So after week 52, safety was assessed, of course, and no new safety signals were identified. The phase two trial was deemed safe. And therefore, uh, Genentech proceeded with phase three Tenaya and Lucerne studies. And there are two arms in the study. There's the control arm, a flibercept every eight weeks after loading doses. And the other arm is furisimab, six milligrams. And these patients received their loading doses. And at weeks 20 and 24, there was the disease assessment. And at that point, patients were able to be lowered to acute eight-week interval at week 20. But at week 24, if they were disease-free from week 20 to 24, 24, if they showed new activity, they were bumped down to a Q12 week. Patients at week 24 who continue to show absence of disease activity were kept on the Q16 week track. So the primary objective was mean best corrected visual acuity change at week 48 as an average of weeks 40, 44, and 48. But the secondary objective was looking at the proportion of patients in the first MEV arms between the QA week, Q12 week, and Q16 week intervals. 
Dr. Danzig, why in the phase three study are we comparing to a flibercept every eight weeks, whereas in the stairway trial, we looked at ranibizumab every month? Yeah, what we find now, Scott, is in, in phase three trials, they're comparing to a flibercept, which was FDA approved for intraocular use for wet macular degeneration in 2011. And that has become uh, the, the gold standard at this time. When stairway was designed, it was designed earlier on uh, in the decade, and ranibizumab was uh, the gold standard. It still is an excellent medicine uh, to use, but they're using on-label aflibercept now as their uh, controller. Dr. Danzig, thank you for speaking with us. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. That's it for this episode. If you haven't already, subscribe to New Retina Radio to get the latest updates sent directly to your podcast feed. Review New Retina Radio on Apple Podcasts, please. It helps your peers find the latest episodes. Thanks for listening. This podcast is supported by Genentech Ophthalmology. Genentech works with the ophthalmology community to advance the understanding of serious eye disease and develop new technologies to transform care. Let's partner in doing more for patients. Learn how at gene.com forward slash ophthalmology. That's G-E-N-E dot com forward slash ophthalmology.